This episode of Liberty Station is brought to you by my good friends at Devoted Capital, where they believe how you profit matters. They are dedicated to helping you align your investments with your values, empowering you to a life well-lived. I'm with Dave Eubanks today with Free Burma Rangers. Dave, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to have this interview. I have watched your documentary and was so fascinated just by the journey that you've been on. And I, in this podcast, I would really like to take people on Dave Eubanks and your family's journey because it starts on the mission field as a kid because you're on the mission field in a unique way that I've never heard of before uh, as we get to the Free Burma Ranger story. If, uh, you know, I ask a lot of people over the last month because you were coming, hey, who's watched Free Burma Rangers? And some had and some hadn't. And I tuned them in, hey, check it out on Amazon. It's really a blessing. And that's a word for all the people out there as well. But hey, how'd you grow up uh, and where'd you grow up on the mission field yourself, Dave? Well, first, Rick, thanks. And thanks to God Speak Church and I was thinking, how did I get here? Nicole and whoever else set this up. Nicole Savage. And your pastor. Yeah. yeah. And I remember in a Zoom conversation with him last year, mm-hmm. you guys have guts. And I remember there's one line, there's another great movie out there called A Man for All Seasons, true story of Sir Thomas More, at the time of Henry, King Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. He's under great pressure. In the beginning of the movie, the, the family holds hands. He's the Chancellor of England, Thomas More is. Mm-hmm. And they have this prayer that goes something like, Dear God, give us... Uh, good sleep tonight, but if we must be wakeful, then watchful. If watchful, then cheerful. Careful only of our souls. I thought, wow. So if you got to be awake when you don't want to be, be cheerful. Careful only of your souls. And that's what I felt looking at y'all's church and thinking, these guys are careful of their souls. Everything else, go for it, man. And I grew up as a kid in, actually, he was nine months old. I was born in Texas. So I'm definitely a Cowboy fan. Sorry, y'all. But I was going for L.A. this too. time. I've been really? a Cowboy fan since I was five years old. It was the first th- memory I have of TV was watching Vietnam footage and Roger Staubach. Roger Staubach. <laughs> what a great Christian. Yeah. And Tom Landry. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I was born in Texas. I grew up in Thailand. Hey, for everybody that's not a Cowboys fan, don't hold that against us, right? We're, we're just enjoying some uh, fellowship right. here. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of haters out there, Dave. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, it's tough being America's team, but I was going for LA this year. Yeah, and I was. Yeah. One is I just thought they need to win once. Plus, it's a cool town. Mm-hmm. Hey, they're awesome uniform, and this Matt Stafford and um, uh, what's the guy? What's the receiver? Uh, come on. Anyways, the MVP of the whole game. You guys are really going to hate us, but I like him. He's also a believer as far as I can tell. But anyway, I was happy they won. It was an awesome game. Mm-hmm. So I grew up as a missionary kid, went overseas, and I was nine months old with my parents. My dad was a Korean War vet. My mom was on Broadway as a singer and actress. And they met when she was doing a USO show in, in the Korean War. Oh, wow. And he was pulled off the front line to build a secondary defense line. And the last thing he wanted to do was take care of some lady visiting and fell in love right away. Anyway, so he went back out of the Army after the war, got in the oil business. She was on Broadway. They reunited again. She was the lead on a, a touring of Oklahoma. She was the lead actress, singer. Wow. He was in seminary. They met. Two weeks later, they're engaged. She quits all that business. And they get married. I'm born nine months later. 
And by then, we're going to Thailand. So I grew up in Thailand. But I remember as a five-year-old, we grew up out in the country. As a five-year-old, I remember looking up at the blue sky behind our house in Thailand, out in the jungle, thinking, one day I'm going to be a soldier, then a missionary. And now, I don't know why I thought that was because that's what my dad was, and he's my hero, or I don't know. But that's what happened. So I grew up overseas, came back to Texas A&M University on an ROTC scholarship. And in the middle of that, I, I said one of these prayers, not really officially, but it was really truthfully. God, I want to do this, bless me. Which is very different than saying, God, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. I want to do this, but I will not do it unless you give it to me. Mm -hmm. And so it's one thing to, to take something. It's one thing to receive something. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I, I'd had that attitude. But when I was getting ready to get in the Army, I was in a prayer meeting, and it just suddenly struck me, I was doing my own thing. I don't want to do my own thing. So I said, God, I give up being a soldier, whatever you want me to do. But someone prophesied, which happens very rarely in my life, like twice in my whole life, mm -hmm. dare to say these words, which were, my son, keep doing what you're doing. Whoa, I got, I got lucky. Keep doing what you're doing. This is preparing you for future service. Something will happen to you that'll, that will crush you, but it won't break you. You will know it's me when I'm talking to you. Go. I was like, I get to be a soldier. Awesome. Kind of like you being bull rider. It's about as wacky. It's painful. <laughs> it messes you up, but some, it's pretty exciting sometimes. It's a lot of adrenaline. It's like, I'm in, man. This is not fake. <laughs> so anyway, we, um, I went to the military. It's commissioned as an officer. It was infantry down in Panama. Then I was in the 2nd Ranger Battalion, and then 1st Special Forces Group, and got out of the Army after 10 years. Met my wife, Karen. There's other stories in between you can ask me about. Okay. I make many mistakes and big ones, and it took a huge mistake. I might as well just say it, although it's embarrassing all the time. I got married, not to Karen, and to another beautiful lady, and with my own deal, and I'm going to do it this way. And it was one of those pharisaical kind of things. Like I didn't do any externally bad things, but it's all about me and Jesus is second. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work. And she left. I didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. She just left. That's while you were while you were in while well, I was in the army. Of, yeah, in the army. And I thought, okay, now I really. Now, got, where'd you serve at in the army? So where were where I was were stationed you? in the Second Range Battalions in Fort Lewis. So was First Special Forces Group. Okay. So I was mostly there, but then I was deployed overseas, different places. And I thought I'd always thought of being a missionary. I thought there's no way I can be a missionary now. I'm divorced. I'm a loser. I'm one of those guys. And and her parents were on my side. Hey, Dave, you did nothing wrong, and that you want to hear that. But I remember I said, Jesus, show me the truth of what happened because I hadn't beat her or committed adultery or mm -hmm. drunk or anything. Mm -hmm. And when I said that prayer, I was on my knees. Boom. Unto whom much is given, much is required. I've been given everything. My ex-wife had not. And I took her on a ride that I had no business taking her on out of pride and other things. And she left. And I remember years later, my mom said, Dave, she loved you so much. She knew she wasn't going to be in this life like that you're going to do, and she let you be free. But anyways, I was on my knees, and I saw a vision, which I've only seen once in my whole life if I had a vision. It was the world. I was standing on it, and out, up, outside me was the blue of the atmosphere, then the black of outer space, and then came this lightning bolt. And it cut through all that. It cut through me and out the other side. And that chasm, that lightning bolt is called divorce. It's a big deal. I was like, whoa. And I started crying. Jesus, what have I done? Forgive me. And I had a new love for my ex-wife that I'd never had. I mean, I never hated her either. But right. 
I just said, Lord, help me love her more than I love myself. What I'll do anything. And I thought, I can't be a missionary now because I'm tainted. I'm done. I just better be a soldier, put God first and troops second and me last, which was not the order it was. And then I said, to confirm it, I need a scripture. And I just opened the Bible randomly. Did one of those. Yeah, one of those. You know, Rick, I've been to seminary. I, I, have, a, I have a master's divinity. I still do that because I'm not a theologian. I'm like, Jesus, help me. Let me touch this thing. And if anybody asked me any question in Greek or Hebrew, I can't remember anything. I was a horrible student. I just did it. But this is before that. And I just touched the Bible, opened it, and it was um, Isaiah 6, 8. Who will go first? Who shall he send? And Isaiah responds, I'm a man of unclean lips amongst the people of unclean lips. And an angel comes and purifies him. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's me. Mm -hmm. I'm a sinner. I'm useless. Except God's saying, I'm making you clean. Go. I was like, okay. So right after that, I met Karen, my wife of 29 years, who I do not deserve at all by any metric. Wow. And later on, this other lady that I married to, when she got remarried, she asked me to baptize her two kids. That's like a Christian soap opera. And, Rick, I had no intention to talk about any of this. I thought we're going to skip this part and just go to, hey, what's going on in the war zones? I think this is the, but this th is the great part, though, Dave, of redemption and God's grace. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, speak that word to those people that feel like, because mm -hmm. they feel like that lightning bolt has went through their, their mm -hmm. life. And, and, you know, I'm a guy that my mom's been married four times. My dad's been married three times. We have seven marriages that when I wanted to explain it when my kids were young, I had to get out literally a piece of paper and chart out. Who's who? Yeah, who's who, and who are my stepbrothers and stepsisters and, and uh, all the stuff. So I know it from a perspective of a kid, and I just watch the drama unfold over and over and over again and live it, right? You're living it as the kid. Mm -hmm. um, but the heart and the soul that, that that happens to, and, you know, I've been blessed with a woman that I don't deserve, and we've been married 36 years and have two beautiful kids. And that was the only, even as a non-Christian, my only dream was to have a wife and a family that was not devastated. Mm -hmm. So speak that word of redemption to those people right now. They're, they're reeling from that. Maybe it's been a year mm -hmm. and they just feel like they're, they're used goods. Well, well done. That's a mm -hmm. lot of mm -hmm. um, sacrifice of selfish things between you and your wife to hang on and a lot of forgiveness <laughs> and which I fully intend to do with God and my wife and others help. So, yeah, God can do anything. Jesus can do anything. Mm -hmm. And in case, you know, I run out of time, I just want to say that right up front. I just came out of a big series of battles in Burma. And at a certain point, I was done. Like, I'm tired of doing this. People dying all around me. I'm mm -hmm. just tired of doing this. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing left inside me. It wasn't depression. It was just like sadness. And I'm tired of it. Mm -hmm. And I was scared. And I thought, okay, Jesus, did you ask me to do this? And I prayed and I don't really hear an answer, but I don't hear a no either. Mm -hmm. And then I said, if you wanted me to do this, you got to do something to me tonight. Because tomorrow morning, the battle's going on right outside our village. They're shelling our village that we're in. It's kind of like a, where we back off to before we go to help. And the next morning, I woke up fine. I was still sad. I can cry in a second for yeah. people we've lost. Mm -hmm. He touched me supernaturally, and he's mm -hmm. done that again and again. And you mentioned mm -hmm. the documentary. It's in there. I'd never really hated anybody before mm -hmm. until ISIS killed this kid. I mean, they'd already killed many people that I'd carried in my bodies. I'd already fought them. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate them. Mm -hmm. They're just an enemy. They're mm -hmm. just bad. But then when they killed this little girl in front of me that I knew, not even that well, but I knew I connected with her, 
I was full of hate. Mm-hmm. I didn't call it that. I called it justice, mm. righteous indignation, righteous anger. But it was more than that. It was hate, which mm-hmm. equals vengeance, which will destroy you in the end, not just your enemy, maybe. Mm-hmm. And when I, when Jesus, again, I did the Bible. Okay, Lord, show me the truth of this. The next morning, I touched my Kindle now because I've become modern. <laughs> and how, I, do, I, how, do you, how do you open the Kindle? Yeah, you just, you, you turn it on, you, you get to the Bible and you touch, like Double I close my eyes. At least mine has a list, my Bible app, whatever it is. I go, boom. And three times I changed the, 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 the books. Yeah. Three times it was about vengeance, all being God's. Yeah. Humans can handle and must handle justice. Mm-hmm. We're ordered to. Mm-hmm. We have to handle it, and we can't handle it. Yeah. We can't handle revenge. Right. It's got a whole thing of its own. And ju- the difference between justice and revenge is love. So when I was offended, which I was by ISIS to the point of death, and mm-hmm. killing, I want to kill all of them mm-hmm. and just not stop. Yeah. That was, I didn't care about them anymore. Mm-hmm. But justice is, no matter how much you've hurt me, the punishment I want you to have is what helps you change your heart. Mm-hmm. And love is the only thing that changes our hearts. Yeah. It's the only thing. You know, no one is going to beat you into submission. They might break all your bones, but you're in your head, nah, I didn't change. Yeah. Your heart. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus showed me that what I was talking about was revenge and not justice, I just said, Jesus, I give up revenge. Forgive me for wanting revenge. Mm-hmm. And it was like a 2,000-pound weight off my shoulder. Yeah. And I went right back into the battle the next day. I didn't have to shoot anybody. I didn't have to do, any, have to do anything but be ambassador of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm free. And so that, because I talked about shooting and not having to kill somebody, to, to, make, to not mislead our audience, it was only the next month I fought ISIS face-to-face. They came around the corner yelling, Alu Akbar, mm-hmm. with smiling. They caught us dead to rights. We were not paying attention, me and the Iraqi soldiers who were supporting medically. They shot my friend, Lieutenant Hussein, six times. They shot another soldier who ran away in the arm. He ran into a, into a house. It left me and Hussein. Hussein shot six times on his back. And they shot me once in the arm right there. Mm-hmm. And they, they had us. They were seven yards away with three of them with AKs. You're mm-hmm. done. Yeah. And I just said, God help me. <laughs> and, I was, I, and, and this is not a movie, and I'm not James Bond. So yeah. I was like, bang, bang, bang. Ooh, got the first one. I'm alive. The second one, the third one, the third one, his eyes are this big, like, that guy's still alive. He's emptied the whole magazine on me. He was four yards. He closed that distance, and he missed. When that was over, um, one important thing I want to say about that story is, after I stopped these three guys, there's more. And I'm standing over Lieutenant Hussein. I'm up on my feet now, and he's bleeding out. He's yelling, don't leave me, uncle, don't leave me. And I said, I can't help you until I stop ISIS, and I can't stop them. They're coming on two sides. I'm throwing hand grenades, and I'm shooting. And I'm yelling for help for my guys. And the two guys that came out, one was an atheist Marine who had joined us. Doesn't even believe in God. But, but he you, joined your team. He joined our team. And you'd only come out in that street for love. Nothing else. No pride. It wasn't not exciting at all. Yeah. It'd be like getting thrown off a bull, having three bulls come at you. That's not fun anymore. That's not even a challenge. You're yeah. going to lose. Yeah. And then my ethnic guy named Zhao Sang from Burma, they both came out. They came out for love. I said, Justin... You don't believe in God, but you know him because mm-hmm. God is love and greater love that no man than this. He laid on his life first mm-hmm. friends. And you came out there to get drag Hussein out and get him out of the fight. Yeah. Anyway, long story short about Hussein, he becomes a follower of Jesus later. Totally. And Recovers he lives from the six, six rounds, three AKs in the chest. Wow. No way. Two in the arm, one in the leg. And he lives. And it's cool. While he's on the operating table, his wife is giving birth to their first child in Baghdad. Do you know whom you're voting for? 
With every product you buy and every dollar you spend, you're casting your vote. Devoted Capital offers values-based investing portfolios that are designed to help you reach your financial goals, all the while making a positive impact on your life and the world around you. They are dedicated to educating, engaging, and empowering you to be wise with your investments and to equip you to be knowledgeable with your vote. Visit their website at devotedcapital.com to learn more about values-based investing or dial 805-372-0821 to speak to your values investor advocate today. Investment advisory services offered through Alliance Advisory and Securities, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Anyways. Um, why did I tell that story? I it's told just a st- normal day in the life oh. of Dave Eubanks, right? <laughs> I told that story to say, yeah, we fought ISIS again, yeah. but I didn't hate them. Yeah. And just so that the last thing I'll say about this, so whoever listening doesn't misunderstand us, we're not an army. We're not there to fight anybody. We're there to spread the love of Jesus, to be his ambassadors, and to help people in frontline situations with food, medicine, whatever. Yeah. But most importantly, to say, man, turn everything over to Jesus. Watch what he does in your life. Amen. Well, you've mentioned some pretty heavy things, lightning bolts of divorce and God's redemption and, uh, and revenge or hatred when you're, the people that we know and love are hurt. Uh, it's the only time I, you know, you grow up fighting, doing various things, but honestly, I never hated anybody enough to want to kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my wife's uncle sexually abused her and all of her uh, cousins, her whole family. And when I found out, it was the first time I was... I was going to kill somebody mm-hmm. and I was going to figure out how to do it and get away with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm good with a rifle, shotgun, long range. I'm like, how do I pull this you off? Can do it with your bare hands. <laughs> how do I pull this off? <laughs> well, I didn't want to get caught. That's the thing. <laughs> I wanted revenge, but I didn't want to get caught. And, and the thing that, that overwhelmed me is you, you were talking about the Lord dealing with revenge. But for my heart, uh, when I was struggling with this, I heard my wife pray for his salvation. And it just broke me because I thought, wow. He hurt her. He didn't hurt me. And she's praying for his salvation. I want him to go to hell, mm-hmm. right? I'm mean, just filled with rage and uh, revenge. And it broke me to where my heart could finally just say, you know, okay, I'm going to pray for this guy's soul. And whatever God wants to do with him, he can do. We ended up getting him in prison for 15 years and uh, various things. But that was justice. It wasn't, you know, me, mm-hmm. me just mm-hmm. tapping him twice and putting him out. So... We're moving through divorce. We're moving through revenge, murder, <laughs> whatever is going on. And so how in the world, we have to make the transition for people. You did 10 years in the service. Mm-hmm. You marry Karen, and then you go to the mission field? Is that well, what happened? Or, or Oh, no, what, you went to Bible school. What happened was I got out of the Army. Okay. Went, had not, no, I'd met Karen. She asked her out on a date. She said no. I asked her out on a climb, a serious climb called Mount Shuxon, up near the Canadian border, it's a you're up on a glacier. You got to climb pretty steep rock and ice in early season. It's going to be ice. You need mm-hmm. ice axes. It's not just a hike. Yeah. I asked her on that, and she said yes because then she, you know it's a climb. What it'd be safe, I guess. Yeah. And we're climbing up the last part to the summit. The summit's tiny. It's like between you and me. We well, got to like, travel there, right? From wherever. Well, it's Washington you... State. Oh, it's Washington and, State. And okay. the seminary was down in California. Okay. But I haven't gone there yet. Mm-hmm. Had I gone there yet? No, mm-hmm. I hadn't gone there yet. I was still in my last closing out the army. I was divorced. I was closing mm-hmm. out the army, getting ready to go to seminary. Took her on that climb. Some of my guy friends quit when it got really dangerous, and mm-hmm. she did not. And she's right behind me, and I'm going up. And I, I guided while I was in the army different mountains. I was a salt climbing leader when I was in the Rangers. And 
I, you kind of get a feeling of how you, the people that are following you are feeling as it gets dangerous and you need to like check mm -hmm. on them. And mm -hmm. so I got my ice axes in. I'm looking straight down at her and she's wrote right behind me. I said, how are you doing? She goes, I'm digging it with a real smile, not a fake smile. I was like, who is this person? Who She's an that? animal, right? Usually you're like, there's a first, guy. First date, you yeah. life-threatening situation. Yeah, like, usually a guy would say, I'm okay, keep going. But, you know, she's like, oh, relax. Like, man. I mean, we both skydive, and she likes it. I, mm -hmm. I, I just do it out of keeping proficient. Yeah. Um, I thought, who, Lord, let me marry it. And after we summited and went down, we're going down the glacier, and I let me marry this lady. She's mm -hmm. awesome. So, anyway, I asked her out more. We only climbed. We did, never did a proper date. She wouldn't do a date. Mm -hmm. She'd never really dated anybody that I knew of. She had no boyfriend anyways. And, and then when I got ready to go to seminary, she said, that's it. You're leaving. This is over. It's not going to go anywhere. Whoa. And I learned another thing about was she a christian at that time oh yeah okay since she's yeah. four okay we're opposite she's been so it wasn't you going to seminary that was ending it was no, just that you no, were going no. away she like wanted to be yeah. a nun when she was a little <laughs> she, we're totally opposite and she's actually nice and she so it's over and, and i learned something for anybody listening that's that when you are in love with someone and they're not in love with you that's not very fun Mm -hmm. especially when you prayed about it you think that's the best person for me mm -hmm. and i just kept giving her up okay god that's what i think but i already know now my way is not the good way mm -hmm. not the best way it might be good sometimes but it's not the best way so i give it to you and i learned to praise god through everything in spite of everything thank you jesus and i learned whenever i said lord she's not going to marry me hallelujah i force myself to pray that i'd feel better i trust you're going to have whatever i need mm -hmm. Try it, whoever's listening. Try it. Try to praise God at any time. For one thing is the devil cannot be there. Mm -hmm. He cannot stand it, especially the more unrational it looks. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, mm -hmm. the cross, the cross. Yeah. Ah, it makes no sense. How can you praise God? Mm -hmm. So when you praise God, the devil cannot abide. Mm -hmm. He cannot, and, you, and that's good. You don't need him there. Second, mm -hmm. God inhabits the praises of his people. He mm -hmm. comes close to you. You can feel it. Yeah. And it means you're not God. You trust him. And you feel good, and your your vision gets wider. You get more courageous. It just works. You can mathematic. You could prove it like a science every time. Whenever I praise God and said, "Oh, I wish I hadn't done that," never. Mm -hmm. So in the in the middle of all that, I was visiting her towards the middle of my seminary in Washington State, and I got a phone call from my dad, who's in Thailand. He's in a mission. He's ninety three now, but he's been a missionary there sixty two years. He's still there. He's still there. Mom and dad are still there. Ninety wow. ninety three. They they don't stop. Wow. My dad's a cowboy from Texas. Impressive. Still wow. wears a hat, yeah. talks with a southern accent, <laughs> and shares about Jesus to everybody. He does it really well. So he's like, Dave, I got the Wa tribal leader with me. The Wa are one of the many ethnic groups in Burma. Burma's also okay. called Myanmar. And my Thailand, where my parents are, is right next to Burma or Myanmar. Hmm. Burma's the longest running civil war in the world, 73 years now of fighting in Burma. 73. 73 years. The dictatorship. Is it peaceful in Thailand? Yes. Like they have relatively peace. peaceful in okay. Thailand. Right. Burma's full on war for 73 years, since World War II, pretty much. The tribal people, of which comprise about 112 tribes that make up almost half the population of the country. Is it tribal uh, tensions? Not so much tribal or political. Tribal. It's more or central. Burma is 50% is Burman ethnic majority. 50%. They're the biggest single group, but they only make up half the country. Half the country is 112 other ethnic groups. Some fight each other, but mostly not. But they fight the central government controlled by the Burmans. Mm. And there's been a series of dictators. And so one of the smaller tribes is the Wa. The Wa were headhunters until the 80s. 
they were some of the main narcotics dealers, but the foreign minister was a Christian. That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. He came to Thailand by two months walking with his little army, fighting his way or finding his way around the Burma army, came to Thailand, asked for help from the U.S. government, saying, if you help us tribes who are getting beat up, who were the allies to the U.S. in World War II, if you help us, we'll stop all the drugs. But right now, without drugs, we have no money. No monies, no guns. The dictators crush us. U.S. government was not interested, so he turned to the mission community. Hey, I'm a Christian. I want my people to be Christian because the Wa being headhunters are mostly not Christian. And they saw a picture of me with a Green Beret. That's Special Forces. They know what that is from Vietnam War. And I'd been an advisor in Thailand earlier as a Special Forces, so I'd gone back to Thailand for the U.S. government. That man's a warrior. We are warriors too. He follows Jesus. So do I. Our people need Jesus. Send him. Okay. My dad calls me on the phone. He said, Dave, I think it's the Holy Spirit. And we pray, and I feel yes. And I turn to Karen, and I said... What year is this? 1993. Okay. And I turn to Karen, and I say, honey, I know... I probably didn't call her honey then, but Karen... Because um, you weren't married to her? No. Okay. And um, <laughs> I'd already asked her to marry her two or three times, which was a firm no. I said, I know you don't want to marry me. Would you marry me now? Because I'm leaving. And she goes, no. And I go, well, I'm going. And I thought, okay, God, you got something else for me. And she goes, well, you know, I could use a ride down to California to see my parents during spring break. I'll take you which is kind of weird. That's a sign. Like, yeah. usually you say no, you don't want to be anywhere near this person, <laughs> right? And we drove down to California, and on the way we stopped at a Special Forces friend of mine who's at Defense Language Institute in Monterey. And, and we have to wait for him to come home, so I know this little beach. We get on this beach, we have this talk back and forth, kind of negotiating for a new car. It was not romantic at all, except it was a full moon on a white beach. And she said, I don't want you to leave, I don't want to live without you. I said, I know what you don't want. Do you want to marry me? <laughs> okay. And, um, I, and very anticlimactic, yeah, super okay. anticlimactic, but in a beautiful place next morning, you know, do you feel still the same way? Yes. We went out on lover's point, which is a beautiful spot in Monterey. Mm -hmm. You really want to do this? Yes. Okay. Boom. We're married a couple months later and then going to Burma. And that's how our marriage started. Our honeymoon was in Thailand and in Burma, um, on a mission together. And that's how we started on invitation from a tribe in Burma. It's just grown from there till, till now we have, we started the Free Burma Rangers, which is a relief organization. We have about 100, we've trained probably 6,000 tribal people. We've got about 130 teams right now that are active in every conflict area. And one last thing I want to say about Burma is you have these 73 years of war, but mostly that's the, the Burmans and the dictators against the tribes. But starting last year, the people of Burma themselves got fed up with their own government and are, are fighting against it. So we have a new hope and relationship between the Burmans and the ethnics against the government. The problem is the government's strong, supported by Russia. Mm. One of my best guys was killed next to me by a MiG-29 fighter, and we have hind-attack helicopters after us. We've got Yak-130s. We have Chinese Core Corps mate fighters. By a MiG was strafed? With oh, yeah, strafing. Oh, wow. Strafing, bombing, yeah. rocketing. So they're communists because they're so Well, they're dictators. Oh, okay. They're not really communists. It's they're just, just kind of dictators. Like a king. Yes, like a king. Like, like a, a bad, tribal, yeah, bad king. Bad, like yeah. a big mafia. And then they have coups where every four to five years there's an overturn of that guy or general? Well, or has what, there, how long has this guy been in power? This guy has been in power about 10 years. Okay. But... It's kind of been handed. And what happened was five years ago, this dictatorship said, let's be a little more liberal because they're worried about a revolution. Let's give people more power. They gave their people more power. It scared them. So last year, the general said, we're going to stop that project called Little Better Democracy. And they thought <laughs> that people would comply. Yeah. People knew too much. They're yeah. like, we're not going to do this. They started protesting wow. peacefully. The government mowed them down, thinking this will work. It didn't. 
So this is what's different in Burma. The fighting's the same. The difference is the Burman people themselves said enough. So now they're in our hands. We've never trained with Burmans. That's the majority group. Now they're training with us. They're mostly Buddhist. And so we're able to say, ask Jesus to help you, man. And don't go into battle with hate. It's going to destroy you. Yeah. And democracy without love will not work. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. It's democracy without love is two wolves and a mm-hmm. sheep voting on what's for dinner. That's right. Without God in the heart yeah. of our democracy in America, yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah. And same there. I said, this is your chance to ask Jesus. And this is our opportunity to share about Jesus yeah. with, with mostly Buddhists that aren't interested or haven't heard about him. But now they're with us trying to survive. So that's a wonderful thing that's happening in the middle of all the fighting. We have two major tragedies in this country that I take personally, and it's poor health and veganism. Battle both by ordering from my friends at Good Ranchers. 85% of all grass-fed beef is imported from other countries, but because they process it here, they can slap the product of USA label on it. Because of this, over 100,000 independent American farms and ranches have closed. Good Ranchers sells 100% American meat. A Good Rancher subscription locks in your price to protect you against inflation. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to GoodRanchers.com slash Liberty. Every item is steakhouse quality and you can order the finest steaks, seafood, and chicken at half the price of those other online meat guys. And I'll tell you, in direct head-to-head competition in my discriminating household, Good Ranchers just tastes much better. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to GoodRanchers.com slash Liberty. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. So if you, you said you have 130 teams. Mm-hmm. They're and, small, five people on right, a team. Yeah, and are they, because the, your first project uh, was to, because of the uh, slaughter or genocide, you were helping villagers escape and then giving some defense if they encroached upon them. You know what I mean? You're trying to get them to safety when you first started. Right. And you had no team. You had to start training these right. guys to be your... Burmese rangers. Right. And uh, so has it, how has it morphed from that? uh, Are there safe zones or if they come to this region, is it safe? What's your strategy besides just, hey, this village is being slaughtered. Let's get them out. But where are they going to go? Right. I mean, they're, I mean, they have to have somewhere. Displaced people are uh, starving. Mm -hmm. I mean, all kinds, I mean, the, the needs are outrageous. Right. So this war has been going on 73 years. We've only been around about 30 in terms of this work. Yeah. So we came into it when it was ongoing. Yeah. So they already have their own governments and structures. And it's not so much us saving them or moving them. They're moving on their own. Like a village gets mortared, boom, boom, boom. They're already, they've been doing this for generations. They just know, okay, we got to go over these mountains to this cache of food. Okay. So we are just bringing something extra to it. Sometimes it's life-saving. Mm-hmm. Like if they really run out, often it's just like, man, we're, we're here with you. And so the teams are in every fighting area because they're from those areas. They, they come, those are their people. Those are their people. So yeah. you have a team from Ventura County. Yeah. You know, it's say California is at war. Yeah. Got invaded by Mexico or something. Yeah. Every county would have a, a five-person team that would respond to help. And then we would go, we would allocate resources. Sometimes it takes a month by horse or foot to send in medical supplies. They'll say, hey, we've got four villages are burned. There's... Uh, 500 people because they're small villages hiding here. 
they brought, they got food, but they're going to run out in a month. Five people were shot, 20 are sick. Can you come help? It might take us a week to walk there. Now, the local team will already be there, like within days. Mm -hmm. If not, they're on the spot. They'll call the headquarters, which is us. And then we're looking at war all over Burma as a headquarters group. And we go, where should we be? We have to pray and ask, what's the, the worst situation? That's where we ought to be. So then we'll spend one or two or three months walking around, visiting these different places. But the teams are always there. And so what they need from us is prayer, mm -hmm. encouragement, and supplies. And then when people have got their village burned and they're hiding in another ravine, our team will go do immediate first aid on anybody who was shot. Maybe you have to carry people out on a, we call it a, a, a bambulance, a bamboo pole with a hammock underneath with a casualty. <laughs> a bamb bambulance. Back like to that. our clinic, which is maybe a 10-day walk away. Depends where the fight is. Yeah. Treat them. Send in more relief supplies, food, shelter, tarps, medicine. Help them. Oh, they're going to be here for a year. Oh, they're going to need to start school again. Oh, we need to bring in five horse loads of books and pens. Whatever. But we're kind of with the emergency. We don't stay very long in one place. These teams stay there. Yeah. But we're we're not a big development group. We're more an emergency response. Okay. And that's how we operate. And in the Middle East, similar but different. In the Middle East, we only have a team in Iraq and a team in Syria. We're, we're new there, and it's a different culture, different context. And what we do there in the Battle of Mosul, we would move with the Iraqi army, treat their wounded right at the front, but then as, as, as people, displaced people, um, fled, someone's got to feed them. And they're going to be fed by big organizations to say like Samaritan's Purse, which yeah. does a great job. Yeah. But that's back. Yeah. They, a long they, ways away from a the A long fighting. way. It may yeah. be one hour. It may be one week before they can get there. So we're in, the, in that in-between. So my wife and kids would normally not be right at the front when the shooting's happening. They'll be a few blocks back or a mile back. Maybe where the food is. Yeah, or, where yeah. Kazi Collection Point yeah. is. Okay. And they're there praying for the wounded or my daughter's, one of them really is uh, in you know, she's 16. She's suturing people up. Mm -hmm. She's in nursing. She's studying nursing now. Mm -hmm. But she'd be there helping or driving the ambulance. And my wife would be praying for people. And then if they're going to be there for a few days, they'll do a kids program. Because here they are stuck in a destroyed house or intense city. This is before they've gotten to the big humanitarian groups. Mm -hmm. Feed them. Give them a couple days of survival. Love them. Share yeah. about Jesus. And then they move a little bit more. And then pretty soon buses are coming in, organized by larger organizations, taken to a safe area which may be 50 miles away or 100 miles away out of the fight okay. that's not our role our mm -hmm. role is right at the front so in the middle east we did that and we still do it um syria is still go i mean syria is has two two main fights going on now in northeast syria where we work mostly the kurds are on that one is isis isis has no territory they control but they're doing ambushes and disrupting and blowing things up uh, probably daily certainly weekly and then the Strange thing is the Turks, they're NATO allies. They don't like the Kurds having any autonomy or freedom because mm -hmm. uh, there's a large Turkish population in Turkey that the Turkish government's afraid of. So they support jihadis like mm. ISIS, like Al-Qaeda, okay. like Al-Nusra to attack the Kurds. Mm. So my, the guy that helped, Zhao Sang, the Kachin from Burma that helped me drag Lieutenant Hussein out of the gunfight I talked about earlier, he was killed right next to me by Turks. Mm. He's crazy. The guy that was the atheist. No, no, the other guy, oh, okay. the, the, the tribal okay. guy. He's a Christian. Oh, the tribal guy. Okay. Killed yeah. right next to me mm -hmm. because in 2019, ISIS was completely defeated in terms of territorially by March 2019 in Syria. We were there for that, uh, the Bagus, the very last stronghold of ISIS. In October, U.S. troops broke their promise. Well, you could say the politicians broke the promise, mm -hmm. but the U.S. Sure. troops complied yeah. and pulled back from areas they, were, they weren't protecting. You know, only small 
small 10-man, 20-man elements along the Turkish-Syrian border, but it was enough to stop the Turks. The Turks don't want to fight the Americans. Yeah. Americans pulled back on midnight, October the 9th, 2019, four in the afternoon, the Turks rolled across with armor, and they pushed these proxy forces of jihadis in front of them and began this attack against the Kurds, which was terrible. And we were responding to that. And I remember guys just looking at me before, if you're an American, they love this. After this, it was like, you can't trust you guys. Yeah. And one guy was crying to me and he said, he was so mad at me and all Americans. He said, you wouldn't do this to a dog. Can you do this to a dog in America? Mm -hmm. Promise to do this and this. And then, and then after the dog fights for you, which we have, we've lost 10,000 men mm -hmm. fighting ISIS. Mm -hmm. You use us and then you leave us. There was women bringing their babies to the armored vehicles to the Americans. Like, can you take my baby if you're going to let us die? Yeah. It was horrible. And then that guy says, I only trust in two things, God and Lindsey Graham. Because really? Lindsey Graham had spoken up against this invasion. Right. Anyways, we were in the middle of that. We lost Sal Sang, the Kachin guy from Burma, neck, right next to me, killed. I'll just mention something about that. So he, he's dead. We, 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 get, we get hit. We're pretty sure it's a, we're getting mortared and shot at, and we're doing an ambulance service. We're right at the front. But the, but the Turks also have these drones, like our Predator drones. Yeah. And yeah. they're killing people with it. Yeah. Right, there's two girls two young Kurdish girls filming. They're kind of news people. They got smoked. They're killed yeah. all in front of us. Mm -hmm. And we're moving around trying to get out of the beaten zone of the mortars, but you can't get away from the drones. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm outside the vehicle. It's an armored vehicle, armored Land Cruiser. Zhao Sang is inside working on video because that's what he's doing. He's shooting video, telling a story every day. He gets done. He goes, teacher, because they call you teacher there. Thra, thra. Yeah, yeah. You want to look at what I've done? I said, yeah. I took his iPhone, which he'd been, no, his tablet, which he'd been working on. I got in the vehicle. He got out. And that moment, this drone round came in seven yards behind us, killed him instantly, mm. and wrecked our car, yeah. but didn't hit me. I was inside the armor. It's like, yeah. I'd just been outside the whole, this yeah. whole time. I ran out of the vehicle. Actually, two of my guys were also wounded. Um, they're, but they're moving. I see they're, they got blood, but they're okay. The way mm -hmm. they're moving, I know yeah. they're fine. I look at Zhao, and he's on his back. His eyes are rolled up. He's got a hole as big as a quarter in his temple and out behind his ear. Mm. And then he's got... Um, Shrapnel? Yeah, yeah. A, a yeah, part of the rocket. Yeah, right. And then he's got one about the size of two thumbs right through cord his neck out. Wow. And he's got a, 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 a hole the size of a softball in his back. But these two, the neck and the yeah. brain, they're done. Yeah. I had to look at him, and we, had, we, we handled lots of dead people. Right. He's dead. Yeah. No question. But I love him. <laughs> he just handed you his iPad, what he was working yes. on, right? And he's... He just switched yeah. positions. Yeah. And he'd been the guy that ran out, um, not just that one time to help me pull it. Many, any times it was dangerous, he'd go, sir, you yeah. go, I go. Ha, ha, ha. Yep. Always laughing. <laughs> and um, he'd always make fun of me. He's Burmese. Yeah, from, from Burma. He's yeah. Kachin tribe, but from Burma. Yeah. Very funny guy. Yeah. Um, so he's on his back. I know he's dead, but I love him so much. He's like my son. Mm -hmm. And I just said, God, please bring him back. I run to him. Just want not this not to happen. And I've never had this happen. My eyes are drawn up. And they're still shooting, going on, bop, 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 and there's dust from this strike that killed him. And my two guys are like, ah. But I'm looking at Zhao, and my eyes are drawn up, and I see Zhao in heaven. I've never seen this. His face is really big. It's like a big image, that big. He's in heaven. I know he's in heaven, and he's smiling, and he's totally relaxed. He turns his head, and he laughs like he always laughs at everything. And I was like, heaven happens fast. Wow. He's already there. Wow. But I turned back and said, okay, God, thank you. He's in heaven. Can you bring him back? Yeah. You know, because <laughs> we want him here. Yeah. But I saw that. And later on, I thought, and he's dead. Mm -hmm. His eyes said this to me, Dave, good job down there. Don't give up. Mm -hmm. you, you're part of God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about that body. This is not yeah. a big deal. Mm -hmm. 
There was no horror at looking his own yeah. dead body. There was no, oh my gosh, war is so bad. It was like, ha, ha, ha. This is heaven. Keep working on it down there. You'll be here soon enough. Wow. Keep going. Wow. And, but, in, but what we really did was load him up in another ambulance, drove him back to the hospital, and we worked on him. In this hospital, it was only four miles to the front line. It also got hit with Kurds, Muslim Kurds. And we're working on him, working on him. He's dead. He's dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. We bring him in. And we put oxygen adrenaline, electric shocks, everything you would do in any hospital for over an hour, pumping his chest. And after an hour and a half, the head surgeon, who's treated like 700 people in the last three weeks, puts his hand on me and he goes, is it enough? Mm -hmm. I said, he's dead, isn't he? He Mm -hmm. said, he was dead before he got here. You know that. I said, I I did know that, but I was just praying. He goes, I know. We kept working on him until you said it's enough because we love you and we loved him. And we all started crying. This is a Kurdish Muslim guy. So we become like a family with these mm-hmm. people in Syria. That yeah. was in Syria. Yeah. So we go back. We're trying to rebuild a hospital they want to name after Zal oh, in cool. that part of Syria. We yeah. need prayer for that because it's yeah. not easy. Yeah. So we're involved in Syria. Everything we do, we want to share the gospel of Jesus in word and deed. And then any physical need we can meet, we can't meet many of them. Whatever right. we can meet, we try to meet with us. Syria, Iraq, Burma. We responded when Afghanistan fell. So now we're working in partnership with the Tajik Church just north of Afghanistan on that border, still helping get people across. Uh, north of Pakistan? Uh, Afghanistan. Or, yeah, but so, you said it, it's still in Afghanistan. You're right. Afghanistan. It is north of Pakistan. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, the border would be the Wakhan Corridor, okay. which sticks in. So you've got Afghanistan, and right above Afghanistan are two countries. To the east, northeast, or looking mm-hmm. at it to the right mm-hmm. would be Tajikistan. Mm-hmm. Left would be Uzbekistan. Right. And then China's over here, Pakistan's over here, down, okay. down here. Okay. So we went to... Tajikistan to get in the Panjshir Valley at the fall of the uh, of the government, but the Panjshir fell before we could even get there. It fell, as we saw, it fell yeah, fast. fast yeah. So we ended up on the border helping people who were crossing, but then working with the Tajik Church, which is an amazing church, um, kind of an almost not underground church, but they have to be careful, full of Jesus people. Mm-hmm. And I just got a text two days ago from our partner there, um, he told me not to say his name, so I won't say okay. it. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he just baptized four more people. He baptized 31 before. These are Muslim Afghans. Wow. Probably never come to Jesus except for what happened. Yeah. So that, we're involved there as well. So what is the condition? I mean, just you mentioned it. So Afghanistan, it's been a year. What a disaster. What a mess. Mm. And you go from now Al-Qaeda comes rushing back in. Uh uh, we hear things of you know people starving. I mean the mm-hmm. the resources are not there. What's I mean what's the what's going on there? It's horrible. You see girls with like double burkas, you know, double face masks, right. double yeah. eye blockers, insanity. Wow. And people who worked with us um, or for us hunting down, just still being hunted down to be killed. Yeah, there's many who want to get out. It's very difficult to get out. Um, no country bordering Afghanistan is readily accepting people. Mm. In, initially, a lot could escape through Pakistan and Tajikistan, some to Uzbekistan, mm. but it's really gotten tighter. So They just don't want to deal with the refugees. Yeah, They don't want to feed them. They don't want to support them. Correct. And the two countries in the north, Uzbekistan and Tajikistan, they were communist satellites for a long time. Mm. They're very afraid of radical Islam. So they don't know who's coming across. Uh, just because you flee the Taliban doesn't yeah. mean you're not a... Uh, they don't want some, their country yeah. so they don't want a jihadi they have their own problems already yeah. so it's very difficult to cross the border I mean I am grateful to the Tajik government people who did cross 
and that we could even work there because I was there going all over the restricted areas and the Tajik government never stopped me. So I'm, if they listen to this, thank you for helping us help others. <laughs> and, but it's very difficult. So right now, the, we're certainly not the only group. There's many groups doing things quietly along the border, but the, our Tajik partners and a couple of American missionary partners are just helping people cross and then feeding them and sharing the gospel. And this is how they be, become to be baptized. Like when they learned some of the women can't read or write, yeah. they're given a Bible and instruction. And the Bible is used as a, 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 way to learning, um, a way to learn how to read and write. It's the gospel, and the gospel has its own power. Yeah. So many of them are becoming believers. And then many that they can't cross, we send some funds over to help them survive. And the, my main contact, he'll slingshot over MP3 Bibles over the Ponds River. He has these huge rubber bands. It's Literally slingshot. Like 200, no, not 200 <laughs> yards. At least 100 yards, maybe 200 yards slingshot. I mean, giant <laughs> slingshots shooting a little ball with MP3, and it's like <laughs> across. And they have other ways to get money across. There's some Christians still in Afghanistan that feel God wants them to stay. Yeah. So we pray for them. We try mm -hmm. to get funds to them. Funds would be like $1,000 to a family for a year that helped them survive that year. Yeah, so a little, little less than 100 bucks a month just to right. you know, survive. And so we do a little bit of that. But this is all through the local church. Mm -hmm. The last time we went through a recession... There were stocks that literally went to zero. Washington Mutual, Lehman Brothers, Chrysler, multiple blue chip stocks went to little or no value almost overnight. Could that happen again? And if it did, are your savings protected? Why not own something that has never been valued at zero? Gold. Historically, your best hedge against inflation, which is rising like a hockey stick as we speak. The savviest Americans diversify their savings to protect them from downturns in the market from global instability, and from a falling dollar. Do you? Birch Gold Group helps you hold gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. In fact, if you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, just text LIBERTY to 989898, and you can convert that into an IRA in precious metals right now. Text LIBERTY to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Hedge against inflation. Protect your hard-earned money. Get your free info kit by texting LIBERTY to 989898. Do it today. So you said you have a team in Iraq and Syria. Uh, Syria. Are those five-man teams like your 130 teams? Or are they larger or different? A little different because we're new. In Iraq, it's, it's really four locals, um, a cur two Kurd, a Syrian, two Kurds, a Syrian, and an Arab mm -hmm. um, together. And three are Christian, one still a Muslim. Well, One of the Kurds is, um, two of the, the, the Syrian is Christian, the Iraqi Kurd is Christian. Um, the, the Arab became a Christian. He's another guy shot six times next to me, but his name is Muhammad. He was shot in a different part of the battle, becomes a believer after that, during that. He survived also. He survived also. Wow. And it's a whole other story where his sister, who is a um, Muslim, she was in Baghdad when he was shot. And six shots to his chest, his neck, and leg, he should be dead. And they take him to the hospital. We evacuate him off the battlefield. And then he, it takes forever to get down to Baghdad. And he's going to die. His sister says, I saw a man shining in white come into the operating theater and lift my brother up and say, it's not his time. I have him. 
because the month before he was shot, he had prayed to ask Jesus into his heart when he was with me. And then he got shot. Wow. So when you ask Jesus in your heart, doesn't mean you're not going to get shot or something. <laughs> you might you might go to heaven quickly. Yeah, but Jesus had him. And so he, yeah. I bet we baptized him in the a Tigris River after the battle was over, after he recovered about, yeah. I guess, about six months later. Anyway, so he's a Christian, but one, one of the Kurds is still a Muslim, although we t- I tell him all the time, man, come on, man. But he, he's, he prays to Jesus. He's in all our Bible studies and devotions. We try to have a devotion every day. And mm-hmm. if, if it's someone shooting us, it can be this fast. Lord Jesus, help us. Say the Lord's Prayer together and run. Yeah. But he's in all those. He's a wonderful guy. His name is Delo. And you, please pray for him. He's awesome. He's actually the team lead. Really? He's the only non-Christian. But he is most Christ-like non-Christian I've ever met. He's nicer than me, that's for sure. So we have that team. And in Syria, we have, um, we have a believer. We have a Kurdish Muslim lady who's very interested in the gospel. And then we've got another liaison. So we've got, depending on the day, two or three people. It's not exactly the same. Yeah. But they're very effective. We... Uh we had a revival that took place in Iran and we were able to get 120 house pastors out to um, Istanbul. And we did a pastor's conference for one week because they were all pastoring 10 people in a church underground, but they had, they would only been a Christian six months. They knew nothing. It was, it was quite, it was like the wild West. And so we were baptizing them on the top of a uh, hotel in Istanbul in a little kiddie pool because they couldn't get baptized in Iran because it's, you know, right. uh, it's, it's very dangerous. But the thing that was fascinating to me is we're, we're teaching these 120 Iranians. The Kurds were the servants in all of the hotel. They were, the whole staff was Kurdish. And they would just do anything to get into the room. You know, they would act like they were being busy and they'd stand on the wall and they all had the biggest smiles. They were very open to the whole message. Is mm-hmm. the, are the Kurdish people like that in general? Or was that, I mean, that was what I observed because I hadn't spent much time I feel that way. Yeah. I feel the Kurds are more open than yeah. many people. Yeah. And they're an oppressed people themselves. Yeah. They know they're not the center of the universe. And yeah. they're the biggest ethnic group without a country in the whole world. Yeah. And so I love them. And they're, kind of, I mean, they're in that part of northern Iran, Turkey, Syria. I yeah. mean, they're right in that little nexus of everything, right? Right. And they all are kind of against them, whether it's Saddam right. back in the day doing the chemical warfare and killing a bunch of them. Yeah. They are very oppressed people. Kurds in northern Iraq, yeah. in Iran, in Turkey, and in Syria. Yeah, yeah. that little area. Yeah. I have a, this is just a side note, because I'm really a frustrated soldier at heart. This is the kind of stuff that I would love to be doing. Um, is because modern warfare, uh, from a soldier's perspective, the drones. Mm. I'm like, how do you? You're in a hot zone. There's a drone. Depending on its height, how do you take out drones, Dave? How do you take them out? I wish you could tell me. I mean, I, I mean, because we were like, we need the drone gun, basically. There are such things as drone guns. Yeah. Um, that was something. First, we first faced drones in Iraq when ISIS was using them. Mm-hmm. You know, ISIS was way ahead of almost everybody in the world on cheap, cheap small drones. I'm sure mm-hmm. that I don't know. I don't know any of their equal. I mean, the U.S. has some big, powerful drones, yeah. but they're, they're like full blown little, airplanes. Yeah. Sure. Phantom Four, the little Mavics. They put a. a they make their own 3D printed um, grenade case and then fill it with explosive. And they drop it down a hatch of a Humvee and kill everybody inside. Go right over and drop it accurately. And they were dropping it all around us. I was wounded slightly by one right there. 
And I was I, when when this drone came over that day that I got hit a little bit. Um, everybody's shooting at, and I remember running behind this truck, grabbing an AK, and thinking I'm gonna try to Take shoot it, it down too. And I didn't. And the round came down right in front of me, and they were aiming for an Abrams tank. And it missed it by five yards. It was, it was deep mud. It was in spring, so there was a lot of rain. And absorbed it. And then some of the shrapnel, it, when it came down, I jumped behind the truck. And so I only caught some shrapnel and hit mostly hit the truck. And I looked at the truck. It was a gas truck full of fuel. Oh, I thought, wow. What an was, idiot. What a, <laughs> what a place to choose to shoot from. That's not good cover. No, no, no. It was dumb. <laughs> but these were a huge problem for us. You couldn't stop them. They're yeah. coming da daily. And I remember one time we had four suicide vehicles loaded with 2,000 pounds of TNT coming at us. And they every time casually producing. And it turned out there was a drone flying overhead looking at us and then calling in the suicide vehicles and guiding them. Yeah. And then there was little drones coming and bombing us. And then we suddenly realized that big drone. I remember praying, God, help me shoot it down. Mm -hmm. And I shot it down. True, oh, true you, story. You got it down. Yeah. 50 of us shot at it. But how do I know? Because mine was the only, they all had M16s. They aren't Rocky Army's M16s. Mm -hmm. I had an AK. Mm -hmm. It was an AK imprint. I said, see, mm -hmm. God help me get it. But they were a huge problem. And somewhere around February the 22nd, 2017, they dropped out of the sky. The U.S. did something. I don't know because they're not advertising how they did it. Right. They just dropped out of the sky. They couldn't fly. EMP pulse, electric huge. magnetic. Huge. It was some bigger just, technology just, than we had. Yeah. So that was kind of the end of drones, um, oh, really? even though you see them in Syria. Yeah. But that was the end of drones in, in Iraq war. It's no more. So yeah. like if they can dominate their space, they can make them drop out yeah. of the sky. Somehow they yeah. did it. Yeah. Whether it was the back of a truck and sh shooting something, or I don't know what they did. Yeah. But in Burma, we don't have any of those technologies. And in Syria, we didn't have them either. When the Turks invaded, we could not stop the Turkish drones. So it was just prayer. Try to see if you can hear them and hide. And terrifying. Get away from it. Like we pulled our vehicles inside buildings. Like just bash through the wall. Yeah. And out of sight. Otherwise, you can vehicles and vehicles going to get smoked. Yeah. And you, there was no real defense for it. And everybody's been asked the same question. How do you shoot them down? I don't know. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of it. Right. I have no, we have nothing that can shoot them down. That's what I was thinking, whether rather than a bullet, an electronic pulse. Pulse. Because, I mean, they're as soon as that link is cut or their control, yeah. how, and I don't know how far away they're controlled from. I mean, right. it can be like miles, right? There are drone guns. I actually seen one in Burma. The resistance, okay. that's our friends, yeah. had one, okay. but I never saw it shoot anything down. So I don't okay. know if it's... If it it's, might be effective. If it works. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fascinating thing. Yeah, but, it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, you if you're going to be effective, you're going to have to somehow... You have to deal with it. I mean, it's all about high ground, and there's nothing higher than a no. hovering drone calling out your positions. You're exactly right. And, and then bringing in the artillery. Now, the resistance artillery. has not found an effective way to take the Burmese drones out. However, they have more drones than Burmese do. Because all these young Burmans who are college kids and yeah. smart, yeah. and now they're in the fight. They're never in the fight before. Yeah. They're flying them, making them. They've got like one that drops four mortar rounds on you wow. accurately. So actually, the resistance is head of the Burma army on drones. Incredible. Yeah. So take us back to Burma. Where do you think, see things going? And what, what, um, what are you hopeful about? What are you focused on besides, or is it just business as usual since it's been 73 years? Mm. 73 years. Pretty much business as usual at the 71-year point, meaning death, destruction, misery, sorrow, but not a lot of change. And we kind of knew where we could operate. When Vermont comes, you know how to get away, and you lose a few people, but it's low numbers. But since the coup, 
when the people of Burma, the Burmans rose up, okay. the Burma military hates the ethnics. But when your own people rise up, not only you hate them, you fear them. And you know, when you hate something, you'll kill it when you see it. But if you're afraid of it and then hate it, you're gonna hunt it out. You can't tolerate it being around. Yeah. So the Burma army knows viscerally, if they don't stop this revolution among the Burmans, they're yeah. done. And so that's why the fighting is worse. But my hope is because of this new unity of Burmans joining the ethnics, that us and others who can share the gospel and whatever God does directly is going to bring change. So I have hope. We're seeing a change in Burma right now. I have, yeah. That's my hope. Yeah. And I tell these guys, you're not working for freedom. You've got it. You're already doing what the government doesn't want. You're totally free. You're trying to spread this freedom. Yeah. And without love, it will not work. So we have an opportunity to share the gospel. And that's the only thing that's going to change anyone's hearts in Burma. And that's our main effort. Amen. To bring enough safety and stability with the people you interact with to share the hope and the love of Jesus. Right. Amen. So in these last few minutes, uh, tell us, some people are watching this, they're like, man, I would love to help Dave. How, how can they help you, Dave? How can they help with prayer, uh, donations? Where would they go to a website? Uh, how can they be involved if they're, maybe they're 30 years old, a single man or a woman, they're medically trained, they'd like to come uh, serve on a mission? Do you do things like that? Kind of wrap it up at the end for people to give a call out. Uh, I'm asking you to do that. You, you're not, you know, uh, pushing that. But, you know, people want to help people that are doing good things around the world. I think first we need prayer. Yeah. Prayer to be holy. Prayer to be ambassadors for Jesus. Prayer to be more effective evangelists. Mm -hmm. And my prayer recently, and I'm going to have to learn from you mm -hmm. <laughs> when we have time, how do we make our organization more like a family? Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you, you, your teams are great. And yeah. we are, we are teams, but yeah. I want to be like a family. Yeah. That takes a lot more love right. um, from everybody, starting with, not just starting with me, but with me. So that's my prayer request. We need favor to get in places. Yeah. We have, we're not James Bond. We have no rank. <laughs> so getting into Syria next, we need favor. So that's a prayer request. So prayer is the foundation. Favor with which government? Kurdish governments. Kurdish. In to come case. through the Kurds. Okay. Kurdish government. Right. Favor with the Thai government when we're trying to help people next door. Yeah. Favor with the Indian government when we're trying to help Burma from there, that side. Yeah. So is there ever a time where you just need favor with this warlord to come in and help their people? Yes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and um, so that's these are all things people could pray for if they feel God leads them. Prayer, prayer for my family, my girls in college and mm -hmm. us as we function, and all the families that make up our organization. I think that's the main thing. The other thing is you can go to our website. It's www.freeburmarangers.org. Um, there's a movie, Free Burma Rangers. You yes. can look at it. It's yeah. good. I didn't make it. Yeah. And you can get it on Amazon. I wrote a book called Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul, also on Amazon. And that and focuses just on the battle? It focuses on the battle, but it no. builds up the first few chapters tell you about Burma. Okay. And you get to know the, the main people that make up our organization. Mm -hmm. Monkey, Ilya, mm -hmm. uh -huh. all these guys. They're awesome. So... You can pray and see if God wants you to help physically. To come mm -hmm. over and visit and see if there's a fit. There's a room for everybody in God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the main needs is medical, mm -hmm. doctors, dentists, but it could be anybody if yeah. they feel God lead them. You just make sure God led you. And then financial, you can always, if you pray and think, I want to help financially, you can give. We're, we're, our 5013C, our foundation, yeah. is called Free the Oppressed, and Freedom Rangers operates under that. Okay. But all Free that's the on the website. Amen. And yeah, we'll take any help we can get. Yeah. We want it to be from God. Yeah. And if people see this and feel moved to help, I'm really glad because coming here was hard to leave our friends in the battle. They said, no, go tell the Americans about us. Tell them to pray for us. 
So thanks for this opportunity. Amen. So do you come to the States for, you know, most missionaries come for a sabbatical or at least a break for a month in the summer? Or do you do typically do something like that? Or is it kind of hit and miss in what we you do? We didn't come very much until the girls uh, and Peter got older and they started rodeoing. Mm-hmm. And, and we love it. And so we come to the States, we rodeo as much as we can. And the girls, Barrow Race and Pete Ropes, used to ride bulls and steers and then bulls. Yeah. And then he switched to roping. So we love that. And so we come to States to say thank you to people, to mm-hmm. speak at churches if we're invited. And in between, like land the plane, go straight to get current skydiving, go to the mountain, go speak at a church, go surf, rodeo for a week in Cody, rodeo again over here, um, canyoneer over here. It's fun. Yeah. And see people in between and, and tell the story yeah. and because the kids are now old and then they're going to college so the girls are like dad can you stay with us a month before we go to school so yeah. we've spent a month just all over the northwest up in alaska before they went to college and now we're on our way to a board meeting in colorado in in about a week and a half and then we'll see the girls in texas for a couple of weeks then we go to syria and then from syria you go back to burma amen that's what we think is gonna yeah. happen i don't know yeah well the lord's got a plan and so thank you for sharing that and um, bringing the love of Jesus with an M16 for a lot of people seems strange. For people, I come from Idaho, guns are a part of life. Uh, I'm, you know, a soldier at heart, so it all makes sense to me. But I'm so glad that you could download what you're doing so that people that maybe are not in the um, that headspace could wrap their mind around a... God can work in people's life in such a diverse, unique way, and you're a testimony to that. So thanks for being with us, Dave. Thank you, and God bless you. And we'll go any, we don't need guns to go anywhere. <laughs> go in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, till next time. See you then. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify, or anywhere that you consume podcasts. Please text these episodes to your friends and support our advertisers.